So it's Palm Sunday. Uh, some of you who grew up in church may remember that this is a Sunday when all the kids would bring home, maybe you brought home the little coloring pages where Jesus came riding into town on a donkey. Or when I was growing up in church, the kids would always walk down the center aisle and they'd wave their little palm branches or their little cutout palm branches and all the adults would say, what? Oh, how cute that is. Now, think about the story we read. Jesus parade, you know, yay, Jesus, you know, and it's a really cool thing that we all think about. Have you ever seen those, those websites that show mistakes in films? I mean, blatant mistakes. There is a, the recent one, the famous, you know, Starbucks cup of coffee in, in, in Game of Thrones. And then, and then there's the, the gas canister in Gladiator. And, of course, the cowboy hat in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's kind of like, you know, wait a second. I don't, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't fit. And what I want us to do is find out what doesn't fit in the Palm Sunday story. So, okay, let's, let's, let's picture what's going on if we can, all right? There's a big parade that's going on here. There's palm branches being waved, and Jesus rides by, you know, yay, Jesus, you know, celebrate good times. Come on, you know, it's all, it's all going really great, and the crowd is going wild because for three years, Jesus, well, first he went through anonymity, and then he went through opposition, and then he went through antagonism. But now, wow, people, people are everywhere. You know, they're waving to him, they're cheering him on, you know. Hey, Jesus, you know, now that you've got the crowd on your side, what are you going to do? You know, go to Disneyland? You know, it's that kind of, a, that kind of a, a, a feel, that kind of an atmosphere going on. But it goes on and says this. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. You know, it's like, you know, crash. Hold on a second. What? That doesn't fit, does it? That's almost as bad as a Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. It doesn't fit my, my mental image, you know. It doesn't work. This is a parade, Jesus. You know, take off the cowboy hat. You know, get rid of the gas canister. Those things don't fit with you crying in the midst of a parade for you. I mean, what's with the tears? And what Jesus will do next is odd as well. And this is where Jesus' tears and what Jesus is all about can teach me something and can teach us something as well. Now let's kind of go back in time, if we can, for a second and just put ourselves back there. Where this is taking place is in Jerusalem, which is under rule of the Romans. And, and Rome is like the big dog, the big dog of the world at that point in time. And they pretty much conquered everything. And so um, Jerusalem, where Jesus is, are living under the, th the thumb of the Romans. And the Israelites, they all hated the Romans. And everybody was looking for the next big thing to happen. The next big thing, the next big person to save them out of that mess. So they were looking for someone to save them, and so they were looking for what we would call a what? A savior. They wanted a savior. They wanted for God to send someone to save them from the Romans. And if you've read through history, you know that there were all these little riots going on in Israel at the time, little flare-ups here and flare-ups there, and 
the Roman soldiers have to go there and put this one out, and they have to run back over here and put this one out there as well. And constantly, these small groups of rebels were completely ticking off the Romans. But the Israelites were looking for a big name, you know, someone big, someone that had the muscle power that could come in and really do something about it. Do you get the picture? Do you follow what's going on here? And, and I love the historical stuff like this because it gives me a clue to what's going on. And now Jesus shows up on the scene. And he has the authority. He has the following. He is fearless. You know, he's popular. He's miraculous. And they all thought, what? He's the guy. He's got to be the guy. You know, at this point in time, on Palm Sunday, in this parade day, it's like, you know, we've got Jesus. Yes, we do. We've got Jesus. How about you? And so this parade, they're yelling, Hosanna. Hosanna is Aramaic for save now. Save us now, Jesus. Save us from the Romans. That's what we want you to do. And they're holding a parade for him to go do that. And so what they want him to do is he's coming through down on the donkey, you know, he's going towards Jerusalem. And here it is. This is like the big thing, the big time. And they're saying, okay, Jesus, walk into Jerusalem and go to the Roman headquarters and let's kick some Roman rear. And so Jesus is riding toward Jerusalem and there's a crowd and it's, you know, yeah, it's time and let's do this. We're behind you, Jesus. Okay, Jesus, now when you get into town, the Roman headquarters, you just want to make the first right you can, and you can't miss it. It's the Roman building, you know, with the Roman flag there. It's, it's right there, so just head on right there. Just, hey, wait a second, Jesus. Where are you going? Because Jesus doesn't take the first right and go towards the Roman headquarters. He takes the first left. And the people are saying, I'm pretty sure, Jesus, it's, it's this way. You see, Jesus doesn't do the expected. But Jesus usually doesn't do the expected. He doesn't go to the government building and throw out the Romans. He takes the first left. The Bible says this. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures... They declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Now, for a person like you or for me, we would go to the temple and we would have to bring in money for offering and an animal for sacrifice. That's just what you did back in those days. And you needed a special kind of money and you needed a special kind of animal and so you'd have to exchange your money for their money and of course they charged you an awful lot to change the money and of course the animal you brought in was probably wrong and so you had to buy one of their animals and they'd mark up the price something something pretty severe and it was a scam it was a racket going on and again he said to them the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer you've turned it into a den of thieves it's very interesting to me Jesus did not go to Roman headquarters to kick out the Romans. That was not his intent. It seems like that was not his priority. And I think Jesus is saying and declaring with that action what he's doing. He's saying, do you understand? He's saying to me, Paul, do you understand? 
You think saving you is doing the political thing. You think I came to save you so your life can be easier. But it doesn't happen that way. Because that's not saving, because that really doesn't do very much. Jesus is saying I'm much more important and valuable than that. I don't care about the earthly kingdom. I care about what God is doing here. Here. I care about that. As far as kingdoms go, he's saying, I want to be king and leader of your heart and life, and I want to be the most important person to you. That's why he says this. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. Meaning what you think would bring you peace is me getting rid of the Romans, but there's really no peace there. Peace will happen that I want to bring is to save your heart and your life, save your soul, to connect you with God. Jesus wants to always give us a better kind of peace. Now, now I said earlier, a few moments ago, a person can really only change your life if you let them. And we know that's true. Your coach can coach you till he's blue in the face if you don't change your stance or if you don't change your swing or if you don't change the way you do things, nothing's really going to happen. And they wanted Jesus to make life easier, but Jesus don't mess with my life. And that's pretty much all they wanted. They, they, they kind of wanted this much of Jesus. This much of Jesus. Or Jesus to come to about here. I'll let you get to about here. But this is where I need you to stay. You wonder why he cried at his parade? It's his parade. Why did he cry? Because he didn't get it. They missed it. I read the other day, it always drives me nuts, I read the other day that they're now interviewing religious leaders about the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. And um, it's like, like religious leaders are the authorities on the COVID vaccine, but that's another thing. But one person was asked, and his response was this, well, of course Jesus would take the COVID vaccine. And I thought, really? Really? That's what we really care about? is whether Jesus would take the COVID vaccine or not. And I remember when we were talking about carbon footprints a number of years ago, and the big question that came out is, what kind of car would what? Would Jesus drive? What kind of car would Jesus drive? You know, Jesus would drive a Prius, you know. Or I hear Jesus would vote Democrat, Jesus would be a vegan, Jesus would recycle, you know. Jesus would rescue dogs. Jesus would use solar power. I, I just think... No, oh. oh, we're missing it. I think those statements reveal more about the kind of Jesus we want. I think we sometimes say, I want Jesus to fit into the mold of my life. Jesus never came in to fit into the mold of your life. He actually came to take us, me and you, out of ourselves and to squeeze us into his mold. And that's not easy. And that causes sometimes frustration and that causes challenge, but that's where life is. We sometimes want a Jesus that will verify our voting habits and our diet or make us feel secure in who we are 
Jesus said this, great, great statement. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. I, I hear those words, I read the words that Jesus said, and sounds to me like Jesus doesn't want to just fit into my life. He kind of wants to come in and blow up my life and help me become more abandoned to him. Lindsay Snyder um, became a billionaire at about age 30. Um, she inherited a company, and that company happens to be in and out. Lindsay is also a committed follower of Jesus Christ. She had an opportunity to sit down and share a little bit about her story growing up as a follower of Jesus, how she only let Jesus stay here and not get all the way here. Let's listen to her story. I got married when I was 18. I'd graduated a couple months before that. You know, it, it wasn't right. I knew that that small, still voice had told me, don't do this, and I did it. And I, I paid the price with a divorce and jumped right into uh, the arms of someone else. Started smoking pot, drinking, which were things that I really had wanted to stay away from after watching my dad. I realized that I'm gonna follow in the footsteps of my father and that I'm gonna meet an early death if I do not get right with God and, and follow him because the enemy just wanted to wipe me out. Another divorce, another affair. I couldn't feel like a bigger failure at that point. I just trying to believe the lies that I deserve that and that God's punishing me. It was terrible and it really, it really pushed me. God took me to a place that I'd never been before and he showed me that in that time where I felt more alone than ever, more of a piece of trash than ever, more of a failure, that he was there and he was ready to love me and fill that void. And he'd been there all along wanting that, but he just needed me to let go of that tangible person. It was my dad first, then it was the next guy. The next guy, I was never willing to just let go to see that God had something better. I had the Jesus that walked on water, healed the sick. I had that Jesus filling that void touching my heart, pouring into who I'm called to be and who he sees me as rather than who I believed I was because of the things I'd done. And God got me back up after all of these failures and he can lift me up and see me go forward and I know that he can be glorified. Isn't that a great story? I mean, isn't that great what Jesus did for her life when she allowed Jesus 
to do it in her life. And I hope that's true for you. Palm Sunday, big parade, Jesus comes. We can talk about vaccine Jesus or the religious Jesus all we want, but let's for a moment talk about the Lord Jesus, the Lord part of Jesus, where I'm willing to let him take all my life, every part of my life, to surrender my life to do his will. When we say Jesus is Savior, Jesus came to save us from sin and from ourselves. And those are two things that will eat us alive. Sin and ourselves. We did a baptism the other week, um, two adults, and um, yes, it was COVID safe, and yes, it was cold, but I always ask two questions for those that want to get baptized. And these two questions have a whole lot to do with who Jesus is to that person. The first question I always ask is, have you accepted or allowed Jesus to be your Savior? Not to save you from just simply a few things, but to be the Savior saving you from your sin and from yourself. Have you allowed Jesus to do that? Is that who Jesus is to you? And they say yes. Second question is, are you allowing him now to be the Lord of your life? every part of your life. But letting go of your life for him. Because this is where life has meaning. This is where your life begins to come together and make sense. And this is where your relationships begin to blossom and bloom. And this is where it gives you a capacity to love more and be joyful even in the midst of crazy times. And this is where, this is where the real parade begins. With Jesus in your heart and in your life.